0: Hey, it's Kim Commando today, your daily podcast to keep you up to date with all things digital and beyond. And I'd love to have you be a part of our podcast. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Just head over to commando.com and on the top right, there's a button that says email Kim. Fill that out and that's it. Now my voice is a little off today. I get that. That's because I got a cold and I'm trying to get over it. So just bear with me uh, as we get through this show. I always like to start with something interesting, and let me tell you, this definitely checks that box. We're going to talk more about ChatGPT in just a minute or so, but the other day I asked it this question, what kind of name is Kim Commando? I asked this to ChatGPT. Is Kim Commando's name real? Now, I'm not going to tell you at this moment what the answer is. I'm going to do that in a bit, but I'll tell you, I was shocked. My husband was shocked. My son said he never knew that about me. And so I decided, well, let's go one step further with ChatGPT. Let me ask it to write a pun about me. So here's the pun about me, Kim Commando. Kim Commando has a lot of bite in her expertise. Okay, and you thought my jokes were bad? All right, let me tell you. You're about to get more tech smarts because, let me tell you, every single thing is now a tech thing. And if you're a new listener to the Kim Commando Show and Podcast, uh, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. And after all, it's America's largest, most trusted source about all things digital. And offline, you can find my award-winning show on over 425 top stations uh, across the country. And, of course, we're streaming in your favorite radio app online. And you can find us streaming as a podcast, a webcast, whenever you want. You have three months' worth of archives over at GetKim.com. And a special thank you goes out to all of our listeners on the American Forces Network Radio, serving more than 375,000 American servicemen and women in 175 different countries and 200 ships at sea, get the Kim Commando Show. I just love that. And our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open at one 825 5254 is the way to join us. And if you're just too shy to come on a big-time, award-winning show and podcast, I totally get that. You can drop us your question over at commando.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link that says email Kim. All right. Every single day, I drop by at least, I don't know, 30 different websites. To bring you up to date, and this is part of the show where I like to talk about the top five things that are happening in tech news at this very moment. And we're going to start with TikTok. That's right, it's huge. Kids ranging from four to eighteen, they spend about 107 minutes a day on the app. That's according to a recent report at the Wall Street Journal. But there's a disgusting problem at TikTok. It makes it really easy for sexual predators to find the kids. The app's algorithm is totally designed to keep kids hooked by feeding them content that they like. So that means if a predator is constantly watching videos of children, he or she is going to get more and more videos of what children. Not only that, it gives these creeps the opportunity to get in direct contact with them. So to be fair, TikTok says that they have some limits, but let's face it. It's not hard for a kid to lie and say, oh, yeah, I'm over 13. I should be on TikTok. But listen to this. A predator started messaging a 14-year-old girl from Texas after she responded to his lip-syncing videos. Before you know it, he started sending her love notes. Disgusting. Yeah, he was grooming her, and luckily he got arrested. TikTok made over 150,000 reports in 2021 to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's tip line. So the bottom line is that you've got to talk to your kids so they, they know what to be on the lookout for. Remember, when they should be on TikTok, but if they are, anybody pretending to be a kid. Uh, if they ever get sexually explicit messages, if somebody ever offers them gifts, uh, if they encourage secrecy, those are all signs. So, again, talk to your kids about that. Uh, number two, it's hard to be an AI bot. Uh, Google's barred. They make mistakes during that demo we talked about on last week's show. Uh, but Bing is also getting into the crosshairs for making mistakes. Uh, some guy asked about show times for the new avatar, and Bing's like, we don't even know about the new avatar. And then Bing starts arguing with people, like, what's going on with this? But what about me? Yeah, let's talk about me. So I asked ChatGPT, is Kim Commando a real name? And Let me read you the answer. Kim Commando is a name that appears to be chosen for a of sound and memorable quality, rather than having a specific culture or ethnic origin. Kim Commando was actually born Kimbra N. Tomney, later changed her name to Kim Commando when she began her career in radio broadcasting. The surname Commando appears to be unique, not commonly found in the United States. It's possible that she chose that name for its resemblance to the word command, which is a term often associated with technology and leadership, two areas that are central to Kim Commando's work as a tech journalist and radio host. All right. Let me tell you something. I was born Kim Commando. I was. And Sam Altman, I know you listened to the show. You're the founder of OpenAI. I DM'd you, but you're not DMing me back. Okay. I was born Kim Commando. I don't I think you're just making this crap up. I think maybe somebody's trying to screw with me over at OpenAI. By the way, if you search for that person's name on the Internet, there's nobody else pops up. I think OpenChatGPT, GPT, that's just making crap up over there. I'm not going on. I mean, I have the scars of being Kim Commando in my childhood. Oh, people say, oh, did you ever go Commando? You go Commando, Kim Commando. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Or are you a military Commando? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, number three in our list, new Android camera features are here and maybe you might want to switch from your iPhone. Mm, maybe not. The new Samsung S23 getting a lot of attention because you can take these high-res images of the moon zoomed in a hundred times. And if you're into taking pictures in the night sky, this has a Samsung Expert Raw app. It's like astrophotography mode. It uses all kinds of fancy AI, multi-frame processing to make your shots look super amazing. And then there's also the Google Pixel. It has this magic eraser. And everybody with iPhones are going, hey, what about us over here? Come on, Apple. Come on. You know, Apple is, though, more profitable than Samsung. You could say that they outsell their competition. Get it? Sell. C-E-L-L. Ooh, OK. Number four. We'll move on. Uh, your mental health data is being sold a recent study by Duke University found that data brokers are buying and selling personal medical data, including mental health information. Now, keep this in mind if you're using any type of mental health app. And we're talking about stuff like depression, anxiety, ADHD. And how much do you think these data brokers are charging? Anybody? Anybody? Anywhere from $275 to five dollars for aggregated mental health records, uh, maybe $1,000 a year for a big data subscription. These health insurance companies are using data brokers to raise the rates. And this is totally legal. HIPAA, which we all know, is the law that restricts how doctors and hospitals share American health data. It doesn't protect health information held by other parties. So just keep this in mind if you're using any type of mental health apps or entering personal medical data into your iPhone, your Fitbit, your watch, downloading a health app. Uh, Read the data privacy policies. It's your data. You don't want to give it away to just anybody. And finally this, let's have some good news for a change. Number five, meet Lloyd Richards. Lloyd is an author. He spent 14 years writing his book, Stone Maidens, and in 2012 it was published. But unfortunately, it didn't get any attention. As a matter of fact, it never even sold hardly a a copy or two. Now, earlier this month, Lloyd's daughter, Marguerite, decided to give her dad a little help, a little promotion. So she made a TikTok video about her dad's book. It's only 16 seconds, and she says, My dad spent 14 years writing a book. He worked full-time. His kids came first, but he made time for his book. I'd love for him to see at least a few sales of his book, and he doesn't even know what TikTok is. Well, guess what happened next? The video just blew up online. It has more than 46 million views. Stone Maiden's book sales through the roof. And since the video, Stone Maiden's had sold out on Amazon. It reached number one on the bestseller list. Gosh, isn't this great. And Lloyd also has a sequel in the works. Wow. You know, great job, Marguerite, helping your dad out like that. That's pretty amazing. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the Bible, there's no about this author section. You know, have you ever wondered about that, why there's no about this author section in the Bible? Apparently, it was Holy Ghost written. <laughs> yes. All right, coming up in just a few minutes, we've got some great tips about how to save important text messages forever. Oh, how to turn your backyard into a dog park and actually make money at that. We have a really great site where you can just plug in your community. You can see all the high-tech surveillance that your local police are using. And of course, we have all of your phone calls and you have me, yes, the real Kim Commando. My name is Kim Commando. You know, it's probably one of the most commonly asked questions that I get on my national radio show. How can I make money on the side? I'm being laid off. We have a career change. I'm moving, whatever it may be. And of course, we always put together these lists. And lists are like, for example, you could be a transcriptionist. You could be a virtual shopper. You can do search engine optimization. You could be an engineer, whatever it is. But you always need that motivation, right? You need to have that spark to say, yes, I'm going to make this happen. Well, I read about this realtor by the name of Andrea Lard, and I was just like, oh my gosh, she did it. And I'm so happy that she's here to tell us her story about how she went from, no, she didn't go from rags to riches, no, but she went from having one career to spinning this off into another career that gives her immense freedom. And also, she's making some money at the end of the day, too. So, So Andrea, thanks for joining us. So how did you get started?
1: Um, Haphazardly.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's honest.
1: (laughs) Uh, So before COVID hit, there were a a few things that happened. It was a perfect storm. So my husband a few years older than I am, and he started talking about retirement. And I am not ready to retire yet. And part of his retirement included possibly moving. Um, as a realtor, you have to get licensed in every state that you transact business. And I'm licensed in Florida because we made that move years ago and licensed in Colorado. I didn't want to have to go through that again. And he wanted to travel. And so I had to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? Because I'm, first of all, I felt like I'm just too old to start over again. I just don't want to. And here I am starting over again. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so it, it, it came down to, I told him, give me a five, let me have a five-year plan. You, you want to retire in five years, I get five years to decide what I'm going to do. So COVID hit, um, real estate got a little funky with how do you show houses, people wanted to sell, but they didn't want to show their house. Right. Um, it got pretty litigious, you know, buyers remorse during during the whole COVID situation buying without seeing a house, that type of stuff. I thought, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. And I needed to something to keep me occupied when being stuck at home. So I started blogging, I got on Fiverr. And and I almost did it as kind of just a, a challenge. And I will tell you, I, I'm i probably the oldest person on TikTok. And I was watching a gal on TikTok, one gal. <laughs> <laughs> she, and she's she was claiming she had made over $300,000 a year on Fiverr writing blogs. And I thought, challenge accepted. Oh. Is And, and so I, I got on Fiverr. I started writing blogs for $25 a piece and I doing real estate blog, blogs.
0: So it was something that you knew. So you knew real estate. And then what were these like individual agents that wanted you to write like maybe about the state of the market or how to make your house showable and some the best curb appeal? I mean, it was that type of stuff. Well, honestly, no.
1: So I always tease that real estate agents are cheap. They don't want to, sometimes they don't want to pay for this type of stuff. So no, it was, it was more so websites. So my, one of my first ones was moversville.com. And they talked about moving and having moving trucks and pods and all of these things. And so it was a buyer's list um that I created. So it was more so websites uh-huh. reaching out, not necessarily individual real estate brokers. It eventually
0: oh, it, I see. It eventually okay. morphed
1: to that where I've got a um she's a real estate broker in New Jersey who does multi-million dollar properties and she pays me $250 to do exposés on her listings to to put in magazines. Um oh. but I started out with the $25 blogs and and didn't think that it would go anywhere. And it exploded. It, it was crazy. Um, from there, Fiverr reached out to me, a liaison from Fiverr, and asked me to join Fiverr Pro. And I and I thought, well, I don't, you know, what is this? So I did a little bit of research. And she said, well, the one thing is you'll have <laughs> to increase your price to $100. Nobody's going to pay me $100 to do 500 word blogs. There's no way. And she said, oh, no, no, I promise you, you will have more business than you know what to do with and she was right i yeah she was right the floodgates opened and i started getting inquiries to do ebooks well you do articles but will you write an ebook for me or i've written a book and will you edit it and look at it and rewrite sections for me so it just kind of snowballed into something and i thought you know what this is kind of fun and i hadn't and i i thought wow i might not have to show houses anymore (laughs) so um my first year was 2021. I started in March and I only made about $11,000 that first year on Fiverr. Um, the second year, okay. last year, was my my second year and I hit almost 100 or I almost made 80,000, but that was part time because I was still working in real estate. So I was doing about 20 hours a week in real estate and 20 hours a week in freelance writing and editing. Um, So I made six figures in real estate last year and 80 in freelance. This year I'm transitioning. I'm going to refer out my real estate business and try to retire from that and do writing full time.
0: That is awesome. I love that. And so, I mean, you went from $25 thinking like, who would ever pay me a hundred? And so, and then now you're at 250 and then I'm sure it keeps going up. And so if anybody wants to hire you, follow you, see what's going on, how do they do that, Andrea? Uh,
1: So my website is up and is creative5280.com. Always, you can find me on Fiverr. I am all over the place. I was the first pro service provider for AI content. Uh, So I'm in bright green. You can't miss me. (laughs) And then I'm not so much involved with social media, but you can find me on TikTok. Um, and that is Andrea 5280. And you can also find me on Facebook with the creative 5280.
0: Hey, Andrea, thanks for joining us. And I'm sure uh, a lot of folks just got inspired to get off their butts and do something already, right? Yeah, I hope so. Now, over at commando.com, we have so many lists of legitimate ways to make money. Uh, Maybe you can be a tutor. You can make extra money taking surveys, maybe a marketing gig, engineering, assistance, call centers. I mean, even renting out your pool, your bike, your garage, your car. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to tell you the secret on how you can make $3,000 a month. Yes, I said $3,000 a month renting out your backyard. Yes, you can make three grand a month renting out your backyard. It's just crazy. So stay right where you are here at the Kim Commando show. We have more calls coming up too. All right. If you're a dog lover, how do you like to make $3,000 a month renting out your backyard? Yeah, you heard me right. It's a side hustle that's a win for dog lovers everywhere. You can rent out your backyard as a dog park using an app Sniff Spot. I know. It sounds a little kooky. Like, why would somebody want to rent out their backyard or why to go to another backyard? Well, maybe they're traveling and Fido needs some room to spread out. Maybe they live in an apartment where there's no place for the dog to run. Now, to get started, check out your competition at sniffspot.com. And then you see backyards organized by city and state. Um, I found a backyard near me complete with all kinds of photos. They had a hammock for the dog parents use, So cute. And they had 349 reviews. That's right. Brazing, the large grassy area, and great hosts. Now, most backyards charge around $15 an hour, but you can also offer monthly memberships. Now, Sniff Spot says that you can earn up to $3,000 a month renting out your yard. That's really something. Again, the uh, website address is SniffSpot.com. I mean, what a great way to make some extra money. It's not rough, rough, rough at all. Mm. Okay, Mike in Des Moines, Iowa, welcome. Hi Kim. How are you today? Great. Thanks for uh thanks for your call. What's going on? Hey, uh thanks for yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um
2: I got into an interesting situation this week with my son. I actually have four kids, uh, but my second oldest uh managed to get into a situation where he's uh got a debit card. Uh, it's a joint account with him and me, kinda of one of these parent accounts. And uh, he sure. managed to get that onto uh, Nintendo and onto Google just in the last uh, about 40 days, Google Play, and uh, managed to rack up about oh, twenty nine hundred dollars, and about nine hundred of that was on Nintendo, and about fifteen hundred of it was on the Google Play store in these in-app purchases, and. Uh, not not really, I think, realizing what was going on. Um, he had told me, well, I bought a few games, and then, you know, it just it just kept taking money, and I didn't know what to do. And he was actually, when we found out what was going on, because he was acting very odd, and we were actually going to do tech stuff, and I pulled up his bank account stuff, well, or this joint bank account that I got for him to hopefully teach him some responsibility, and uh, found out that his entire account had basically been wiped out by uh, Google Play apps. And uh, now Nintendo, they were uh, gracious enough. They had been going on for about about three months with Nintendo, and they agreed to give back or to reimburse uh, about $450. But there's no way to talk to Google and nothing we can do about it, it seems, and obviously, I shut off the debit card to stop these reoccurring fees. I right. just keep going on and on and on. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm not a super wow. tech-savvy guy. And I we just basically had an entire bank account wiped out by uh, wiped more, out. more yeah. or less by you Google know. Play in-purchase in apps. And it, it felt a little – I was frustrated with him. Like, I almost strangled him, but I didn't. Um, but I can't keep them locked away
0: forever either. Um, but then, well, but then when... you know, and it, you know what? It's it's it, Mike. It's it happens, and it's not because you're a bad dad. Yeah. You know, number one is that it's I'm not the most savvy person <laughs> I mean, when it, it m- comes to these games
2: and in-game apps. But then I got to thinking about it; and it's, it just seems kind of wrong to do
0: this to fifteen, sixteen-year-olds. You know, and he. Well, you know. Okay. Well, first of all, first of all, let let me just let's just talk about number one. A debit card uh, doesn't give you any recourse. Right. And so, had this been on a credit card, we could have disputed all the charges. Okay. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't still try. Right. It's not. It doesn't mean that I still wouldn't try to get the money back from the credit card or uh, from the financial institution or the bank. I would report these as unauthorized transactions and they may be able to reverse the charges and refund the money to your account. So I would definitely contact your bank or your financial institution and use the words unauthorized transactions. And I would go back to Nintendo too and tell them that these are unauthorized purchases and it's they need to check their policies because they probably they probably have policies that say uh, whatever you buy that you have to pay for but who reads those policies cuz nobody All does right. and of course you know you're going to have a conversation with your son about being responsible and not falling prey to these things but it's it's a, you're in a very very difficult situation uh, because Mike you have a 16 year old that in 2 years is going to be a self-sustaining All adult right. hopefully and this is a, this is a valuable lesson that your son has learned cuz i'm sure you didn't just say Oh honey, it's okay. <laughs> well, Don't do it again. Right. I'm sure, you sat him down and said, you know, you know, this is, you know, listen, Snowflake, this is a problem, right. and you've got to be aware, and you've got to watch the screen. And if they promise you another level for nine ninety nine, that means it's nine ninety nine a month, and then you keep adding more and buying more, whatever it may be, because it gets to be almost of addiction. So now we know that he has possible addictive right. tendencies. And we, and we talked about that too. Yeah. Good. And so, you know, so this way, you know, it becomes a whole learning experience, but, you know, as far as being able to contact Google play, you know, there are ways that you can do that and you can file complaints. Uh, the problem is that it's yeah, Google we, and you're one of like 8 billion people that, you know, is are right. using Google products and they're not going to want to give you the time of day. So what I would do is I would get in touch immediately with the bank or your financial institution that issued this debit card, and again, report these as unauthorized transactions and sit on them. You know, Just say, hey, listen, you know, this is 2,900 bucks. We need to get this back. And I know you said you got a couple hundred, 400 back from Nintendo, but again, I would start pressuring the bank or financial institution in addition to actually contacting Google and see if you can get the money back there too. And Mike, thank you for your call. Now here's the deal. I know what you're thinking. Oh, Kim, he should just turn on parental controls and limit in-app purchases. Um, yeah, you can do that. But remember, we're talking about a 16-year-old guy, okay? A 16-year-old guy can get around any type of parental controls out there. But more importantly, we want to teach the 16-year-old to be a responsible digital adult, digital citizen. We don't want him to just say, all of a sudden, the parental controls go crazy, go off, and then he goes crazy. You know what I'm talking about. You know those kids in college, parents let him never, never, ever let them have a beer or a glass of wine, and they get to college and they go crazy, So, you know, parental controls are good, but, you know, when they're age-appropriate. All right. I don't know if you've ever heard of an organization called the Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF for short. You know, they are really pro-privacy, pro-security, and they have been for so many years. Well, over on their website, there's a link to a project. I'll tell you how to get there in just a second. But it's called the Atlas of Surveillance. It's really fascinating. It's a searchable database that shows the surveillance technologies that are being used by law enforcement agencies across the United States. And then you can search for your individual town or community. And so you'll see what your law enforcement agencies are using, like drones and automated license plate readers and facial recognition. So where do they get all this data? It comes from public records, crowdsourcing, they say, data journalism, news stories, social media, press releases, uh, volunteer assistance. As of November, 2022, The Atlas of Surveillance has some 10,000 data points, or at least partial data, on 5,500 law enforcement agencies in all 50 states and territories and districts. And it's only growing from there. So what this means to you is that you can go in there and you can see exactly what is being used in your local community. So the address, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right now in case you want to check it out. But we always have a link to it over at commando.com. But it's Atlas of Surveillance.com. Org. That's atlasofsurveillance.org. If you want to just see where it is, you go at atlasofsurveillance.org/atlas, and then you can search. But if you just go to the website, they have some links to that. Now, if you want some more information about it, some more details about you know ring cameras and video analytics and body cams and license plate readers, we have a, it, a lot of it detailed over at commando.com in this tip. So head over to k o m a n d o.com. And when you're there, just hit the link that says Kim show. But again, if you want to just check it out, go into our website. Totally cool. I get that. Head over to atlasofsurveillance.org. All right. Coming right back, we have a tip on how you can save text messages forever. We have more of your phone calls. Oh, I forgot to tell you that this is also coming up. I don't know what I was thinking. It's really a great tip. Have you ever thought about where you live and how it affects how much you pay for stuff online? So, like for example, in the more expensive zip codes, you have more expensive grocery stores. Well, it kind of goes the same way on the internet that you may be paying more or less depending upon where you live. I'm gonna tell you more about that, and of course, we have more of your phone calls and more of me, Kim Commander. It's a question that we get a lot here on the show. How can I save my important text messages? I mean, because your text messages are full of photos and conversations and replies, but I bet there are some messages that you just don't want to lose. So let's start with Android phones. Now, there are a slew of text messaging backup apps in the Google Play Store, but the one that I want you to use is called SMS Backup and Restore. The app creates a backup on your phone to the cloud, Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive, and you can create backups whenever you want Um, You can also schedule automatic recurring backups too, which is pretty sweet. Now, if you're using an iPhone, you can back up your text directly to your iCloud account. Just toggle Messages on in your iCloud settings or use the app iExplorer. That's really good if you have a whole bunch of different text messages from different people that you want to save. And you want to be able to print them out. iExplorer, it's going to save your iPhone's messages to your Mac. It also works on a PC, by the way, as a PDF file. So once again, if you're using Android... Uh, head to the Google Play Store. It's SMS Backup and Restore. And then if you're using an iPhone, you can use iCloud. Or if you want a third party app, it's called iExplorer. And if you need the names of the apps to get, just search the phrase Backup My Text Messages over at commando.com. Hey, just a quick reminder if you're not already getting our tips, make sure that you sign up right now because you don't want to miss one. Head over to commando.com get free tips and join over 400,000 people that are getting our free tips. And just five minutes a day, that's all it takes. And by the way, it's 100% free, and you can unsubscribe anytime. Once again, that's commando.com slash get free tips. Earl in St. Louis, Missouri. Hello there, Earl.
2: Well, I have, currently I have a Linksys MR9000 tri-band. I believe it's Wi-Fi 5. I'm interested in looking into Wi-Fi 6 uh, tri-band, like a mesh system. Um, Mm -hmm. My My apartment condo is like 1,700 square feet, and they're between like the kitchen and where the router would main router would be is probably three walls. So, out of, out of curiosity, are there any brands to avoid? Also, I do have some uh, 2.4 gigahertz, uh, like my Nest thermostats, and I believe sure. the I believe that the Echo Dot uses that too.
0: So um, here's the deal, you know, what's really interesting is that mesh mesh networks are so good. I mean, they work so well, especially when you start looking at uh, situations like yours. But you have to be careful because, like you mentioned, like you have two or three walls and they're probably pretty thick walls, I could imagine, uh, especially they may be cement. So what you want to do is always make sure that when you're looking at a router, and especially like now Wi-Fi 6 is the way to go. And for everybody who's listening, if you're like, what the heck is a mesh network? It's sweet. Works so well. I have one in every one of my homes. Is that what, instead of you having to put all these Wi-Fi repeaters around, is that with a mesh network, is that you use what's called satellites, or these satellites, or could actually be in and of itself repeaters, but it's not the same technology. And it also works so that, like, let's say, or like you're in the kitchen, and you kind of have like a dead zone in the study, uh, but your phone is there that you may be able to get a signal in there simply because that you have you're using a mesh network. Um, a couple of brands that that I use and I recommend is the first one is called Eero, and that's E-E-R-O. Um, Eero is now owned by Amazon. What's nice is that they are they have this mesh system. It can actually work with up to 75 devices. I know it's crazy. Uh, and if you buy the three-pack, and it's going to sound like, well, why do I need a three-pack? Well, the three-pack covers up to 4,500 square feet. And I know you said you had, what, 1,700 square feet? Is that right, Earl? right. Okay, so you have 1700 but you have these walls. And so what we want to do is make sure that we have enough units in order to do that. So what you're going to do is, uh, between your cable modem and your router location, maybe you want to put uh, one of these, what they call satellites, one of these little units closer to the modem, so you're going to have a really strong connection. But it's about, um, they're about $340, or pardon me, about $240, about $240. And again, so you're going to get the Euro 6 Plus Mesh system. Uh, it's a three-pack, and it's $239. Now, if you want to stick with Google products, because you did mention that you have a Nest, uh, the Google Nest Wi-Fi, it also supports Wi-Fi 6 and can cover up to 4,400 square feet And. An, You can set it up and manage using the Google Home app. But I'll tell you, one of the things that that I've learned over the years is, like, if it works, I want to tell you all about it. And that's why I use and I recommend Eero, and that's E-E-R-O. And hang on the line. We'll send you a link, Earl, so you can check it out yourself. And for everybody else, just search for routers. matter of fact, we have a router quiz over at commando.com. If you're ever wondering about which is the best router, just head over to commando.com slash router quiz. Hey, Earl, thank you so much for your call today. I do appreciate you getting through. You know, there's a ton of advantages for mesh networks. You have increased coverage, and the network just performs better. Uh, It seems to be like seamless connectivity, too. So you're not going to have those parts of the house where you just don't have really good Wi-Fi anymore. They're super easy to set up, and they also integrate very, very nicely into this whole Internet of things. So I'm talking about your smart thermostats, your smart locks, your smart speakers, so you have this fully connected home. Okay, in real life, the pricier the neighborhood, the more expensive the grocery store. And guess what? Websites, they kind of work the same way. Only one in three Americans know that online shops use your device's location to raise and lower prices on their products, and they do that dynamically and automatically, and it's a big number. So depending on where you live, you could get the short end of the stick with deals. But there are ways to get around this. Number one, get a VPN and then change your location to one where you think they might be getting lower prices on products. And you buy through there, but you can always ship to your home address. Of course, the VPN that we use and recommend here on the Kim Commando Show is expressvpn.com Kim. Uh, number two, you can compare prices online. Sites like Price Grabber and Google Shopping, they'll take a look at cost of items all over the internet. And finally, number three, uh, track prices on the products that you're going to want to buy. Now, if you have Chrome, Keepa is a really powerful extension. You can keep tabs on price history charts on the items that you want on Amazon. But don't forget, there's always, if you are shopping on Amazon, there's always Camel, Camel, Camel. again, that's Camel, Camel, Camel.com. I don't know why they end That's so annoying. Hey, listen, tell three friends about the Kim Commando Show because knowledge is power. And you can find me 24-7 at Commando.com.